Morning is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, Got to play pinball And put in your earplugs Put on your eye shades You know where to put the cork Album called "Want to Go Back" from 2007, and a lot of a lot of covers from the 60s that we're going to get into. And yeah, I'd never listened to this album before, so it uh, kind of caught my attention yesterday when I heard about Eddie Money passing away. Yeah, always loved Eddie Money. He was like the uh, Lionel Richie for rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. How so? I don't know. I just, I, I, you know, he had a certain awkward swagger to him that just kind of made him appealing and, yeah, you know, just a great performer. And, you know, he, his career was up and down a little bit. He started off as a, actually a police officer in Brooklyn, and then he gave that up and moved out to uh, San Francisco to pursue, pursue music. And when I say, when I say Lionel Richie for Rednecks, I'm just talking about, you know, just solo artists and just, had had some hits and you know career was kind of up and down a little bit but yeah and part of that's the comedic side coming out into me and everything. yeah you've but, got a good side that way but uh, I've always enjoyed Eddie Money and I was uh, telling Ryan Lemon yesterday he this this is a great story about Eddie Money uh, June twenty eighth nineteen seventy eight he opened up for the Rolling Stones at Rupp Arena uh, and really yeah and they invited him out to play saxophone on Miss You really and, yeah and. <laughs> Which sounds awesome. I I pulled it up on YouTube last night. Well, apparently the rumor is Eddie Money got fired from the tour because he was too damn good. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The Stones <laughs> fired him because they felt like he upstaged them. Wow. I always knew he was cool. Yeah. That's a good reason to get fired if you're going to yeah, get fired. Yeah, and that's for... what he said. If I'm going to get fired, I might as well just be get fired for being too good. Yeah. He was on uh, uh, the Sammy Hagar has a show too. I don't know if you've seen that, uh, but he was kind of a, a pretty consistent guest on Sammy Hagar's show, and they do you know duets and do you know the old their old covers, and it, it was it was interesting. Yeah, he had his own uh, reality show on Axis. Um, Eddie he, Money did. Yeah, over the last know. couple of years, and he was discussing about his uh, battle with cancer and he stayed pretty positive and upbeat about it all too. And yeah. I never had a chance to watch it, but I definitely want to go back and see it now. Well, Mike, we got some things to talk about. Can we just talk music? Yeah, we could. <laughs> it's one of the companies that we've got uh, in our portfolio at Debris financial group is AT&T. And, um, their shares went up a good bit this week. Yeah, it did. Based on um, some talk of Elliott Management uh, taking a stake in the company. Right. 
Uh, so they, Elliott Management, they took um, roughly a three point two billion dollars stake in the company. Uh, so this ca- this happened on Monday, and uh, pre market, uh, the stock was AT and T stock was up, you know, nine percent or so pre market. Closed up the day about three and a half four percent for the day. But you, you look at what the share price has done. Um, it's gone from about 31, 32 in the last few months to basically 38. Uh, so that's 20% thereabouts. Yeah. Um, AT&T, it's been interesting, you know, what the company's done. I mean, they're, they're a conglomerate now. Um, you know, they have the, the Time Warner deal. Uh, that that was approved. That's going through. Yep. Um, now the they purchased Directv uh, a couple years back, and that's that's been a bad deal for them. Right. Um, but what Elliot's coming out, they're <coughs> they're uh, suggesting that they divest of uh, non-essential assets, things like Directv, because um, AT and they have a lot of debt. Uh, so they're saying sell off the non-core business units pay down debt their cash flow is great um you know they have roughly 28 billion i believe in free cash flow um they pay about 14 of that in dividends and so the rest of it they're using to pay down debt uh and then when they sell off uh pieces of the business which they're already talking about uh when they sell that off pay down the debt even more um so it was it was uh it was, it was interesting to see and it's it's part of a trend that we've been seeing here in the last month to month and a half. Um, AT and T is a value stock, um, and the the trend here recently has been more demand in the market for value types of stocks, which is a big shift from the momentum that's been driving the market. You know, momentum stocks are the uh, uh, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Netflix, Google, um, and you're seeing a big shift away from that um, here recently. What do you think that means? Well, I mean, you've had a, a long underperformance um, of value versus momentum. Um, it, it, if you look, uh, well, I, I think what it means is, is people are getting – not concerned, but they're kind of dialing it back a little bit uh, yeah. from the, you know, you look at some of these momentum stocks and the valuations they're trading at are just ridiculous. Um, and they, they've been continuously getting pushed higher, uh, part of it because of indexing just by the nature of that. Yeah. Um, and now I think you're starting to see a shift um, just for more, uh, you know, the, the kind of the steady eddy uh, parts of the market. Yeah. Um, do you think um, the Elliott management will prevail in trying to get them? They're trying to get them to spin off uh, DirecTV and mm-hmm. some of the other stuff. Is that right? Yes, um, I, I think they will. Um, I mean, because they were already talking about it anyway, yeah. uh, and they've they've actually tried to find buyers of DirecTV, uh, and the prices they were getting, they weren't going to sell it for mm-hmm. that. Um, so, but I, I think they will, uh, divest of some of these non-core assets. Also would time Warner that's just closed, but are, are they saying that's not a good deal for them? No, they're saying that is a good deal. Uh, so that one, that one they're fine with, uh, there, yeah. it, it's still a question mark. I mean, it's, it just closed and they're in relation to the time Warner deal, they're calling for different leadership, uh, cause AT&T, they put their uh, management kind of over the Time Warner deal. Elliot's saying, no, you, you don't need a telecom company's management over an entertainment company. Uh, company. And they're saying put different management there right. uh, that specializes in that. Uh, so they, they like the deal. Uh, they just want to see it executed properly. Yeah. The cash flow of it is 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 good, and those sorts of things are working out with it. Yeah, cash flow is good. Um, I think that's going to add roughly two point six billion uh, to cash flow for AT and T. The Time Warner deal is. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it, it is a good deal. So by far, though, their biggest cash flow driver is cell phones. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's huge. 
compared to everything else. Right. Uh, it's it's the largest percentage. I uh, forget the exact breakout, but it is the largest percentage. It's interesting. You look back uh, to 2007 time frame, it was about roughly 50-50. Uh, their business was just wireless and wireline. Right. And now you've got this this pie chart that's, you know, sliced and diced. You've got all these different uh, businesses that make up their cash flow, um, which is, is good from a diversification standpoint as long as each of those divisions are being executed properly. Properly, right. The rebound in value stocks has helped dividend payers – this is from Lawrence Strauss and Barron's. The recent rebound in value investing strategies, which have lagged behind growth strategies, has been a tailwind for many dividend stocks. I think also the tailwind for dividend stocks has been the fact that U.S. government bond interest rates are so low now. Absolutely. You know, it's it's helped dividend payers way more proportionately than you would think. That's right. Yep. Um it's interesting, um, as I read a statistic, um, since 1926, uh, value stocks have earned an annual average of 2.9% more than uh, growth stocks. Really? Yep. Um, but you've these, these trends, I mean, it moves in and out of fashion. Um, we've been in a, a trend of momentum growth stocks for about 10 years now. Yep. Um, and anytime you get, you know, everybody moving to one side of the boat, you know, the other side just naturally, yeah. you know, it, it evens out. Right. That's, that's something, you know, we always try to, uh, you know, look at the valuations um, of companies. And, you know, anytime you have something trading at a ridiculous level, you have more inherent risk there. Yeah. Just because of the price you're paying. For that's it. right. Um but uh, momentum, uh, what what momentum stocks, momentum funds do, um, you're just buying uh, the hottest performer and selling uh, the the worst performer, basically. Right. Um, but if you look at actual uh, funds, so the pro shares S and P 500 dividend aristocrats, uh, it's increased three and a half percent. Um, versus two and a half percent for the S and P five hundred in in September, so yeah. you're you're seeing uh, these dividend payers start to outperform. Uh, now, in our portfolio, we own dividend paying stocks, right. um, so we're doing well. It's the portfolio has been doing real well. Um, yeah. yeah, I was telling somebody the other day said you know it's it's great when that happens, but if if value and dividend payers become the hot trade, it's it's great for the portfolio. But now value wouldn't be value. That's right. It gets so, expensive. It gets expensive. So you know you, you always have to be contrarian uh, on on the when you're investing. That's right. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson. It's News Radio 6:30 WLAP. With the 2020 election fast approaching, Donald Trump is wrong about everything. The dialogue, socialism or capitalism, and the discourse. It's just sinful. What's happening? I've begun. Join the conversation right here. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree of Dupree Financial Group. Frequently, I hear from people I meet that say, oh, I've heard you on the radio, and I've been planning to set an appointment with you. Let me say to all of you to whom this applies, call us now. There are several good things that happen when you set an appointment with us, but the main one is that you're no longer in the dark about your finances. We give you lots of information about your accounts, completely free and without obligation. Also, we let you know in no uncertain terms if we think you are on a good track for retirement or not. We are a candid guide to all of our clients and prospects. We tell you the truth. For a free, no-obligation review of your retirement investments, call us at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturdays at 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. For a long time, because constantly... 
Back on the Tom Dupree show. You changed on that, didn't you? Well, still Eddie Money. Still doing some old soul classics. Yeah. Expressway to your heart. Got those horns in there. I can dig this. I like So far, I like this album. Um, Joe Zidle is with uh, Blackstone. It's a company that we own some some stock in. And he says that Sovereign Bonds are set to soon join a list of long, long list of historical bubbles. What's that all about? So you look back in history, um, and he starts this uh, off saying tulip bulbs, Dutch East India Trading Company, Japanese real estate, tech stocks, and U.S. housing. And he said, what, what all these have in common are bubbles. Um, I was reading a little, just a uh, side note, reading on the, the tulip mania. Uh, it was back in like 1630s. Yeah. Uh, it was just pretty interesting what happened. Like uh, Bitcoin. It, it was a Bitcoin kind of uh, it, tulips, the flowers, um, just became a hot commodity. And people were paying, uh, you know, so, in some accounts, you know, 10 times their annual wages for a tulip bulb. Because it uh, kept going higher. Because it kept going higher, and everybody knew it wouldn't ever go down. Yeah. And then it crashed. But what he's drawing the parallel with um, is uh, uh, bonds currently. Um, so looking, uh, so a year ago, the 10-year U.S. Treasury yielded 3.2%. And today, negative yielding bonds total over $16 trillion. Um, but you're still having more and more inflows uh, into – there's a lot of demand out there. Um, so you look at the justification for that today. Well, you know, there's this going on, this, that going on. Um, but in all of the bubbles, you think back just recently, uh, you know, to the housing bubble. Well, houses don't go down in price. You know, that's just the way things are. Now, uh, people are saying, well, negative rates are normal. Um, and his point on this is any, if there's ever any doubt uh, that you can see when a bubble's forming is people start stop questioning if it's actually a bubble yeah, or not. Yeah, if it's going to happen. Uh, because they just you know, assume that it, it always has to be like this. Um, so with, with negative yielding bonds, um, there's three ways that – People can lose money. Uh, so you have lost principal when the investment's held to maturity, uh, less purchasing power due to the effects of inflation, and the opportunity cost relative to investment returns that actually have a positive return. Um, but you, you look at um, over the last two years, um, there's a security and the price has doubled over the last two years. And it, this isn't uh, a tech stock or, uh, you know, uh, 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 a new meat company, <laughs> you know. Um, this is the 100-year Austrian government bond. The price of it has doubled. The price of it has doubled over the last two years. Um, this is something that, you know, this is not a, a company that's earning something. This is just speculation and global demand uh, for a particular asset class. So a 100-year Austrian bond has doubled in price over the last two years. This is not normal, um, no. not normal at all. Um, you look back to uh, December, everybody knew rates were going higher in right. December, and you saw the market pricing that in. Everybody, the, the markets knew that that was going to happen. And now we're in an environment where everybody knows that rates are going lower. Yeah. And it's just things can change so quickly uh, in the market. And he's, uh, he's making the point that this trade can reverse very quickly. Right. So for the, for the investor out there, if you're owning uh, bonds – um, or bond funds that own these things in it, that trade can unravel and you can have the price decline rapidly yeah. during that time. 
Um, and you know the uh, he, he he makes the point uh, with uh, ETF outflows can uh, magnify that price discrepancy there. Yep. Um, so what you have to be careful of is reaching for yield. Yes. Um, you know, with, with or following something that they're not even reaching for yield, they're reaching for price appreciation, right? Thinking that's going to go even higher, right? It's like a tulip bulb. That's There's right. There's no yield involved. That's right. Anymore. That's right. Exactly. So you're buying something with no yield, um, and like you said, it's just all speculation on the price, right. price going higher. It's pushed the price of other kinds of bonds higher too. All kinds of bonds. It has. Um, it's it's the the overflow, if you will. You know, once one area gets so expensive, it moves to either longer duration bonds, in this case, or lower quality bonds. Right. Uh, so in the high yield markets, you're seeing companies that would normally have, you know, probably a four or five percentage point higher yield trading much lower. Yeah, uh, in, in, in yield terms, uh, which means the price is a lot higher. That's right. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it unwinds. Um, you know, these companies, some of the high yield companies, some of them maybe wouldn't be here <laughs> if yields weren't as low as they are right now. Yeah. Uh, when this unwinds, you know, they've got to refinance this debt if they have a maturity coming up. Right. Um, maybe they can, maybe they can't. Um, some of them the price of them hasn't gone up like the one we got out of. Right. Right. And that's worrisome, which is yeah. why we got out. We took yeah. our, we took our interest and got on down the road. That's right. Because the price hadn't moved. Um, you know, we can let somebody else worry about <laughs> if yeah. they can roll the debt or not. Um, so on top of that, the U S is talking about issuing a 50 year treasury bond. I say more power to them. It makes perfect sense for them to do it. Uh, when there's this much demand uh, for long duration, um, they should do it. I think um, it'll it'll lower borrowing costs. Yeah. Um, you know, if they can uh, roll some other debt into a lower yield and lock it in for fifty years, mm -hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. The Treasury said it was considering. Exploring the possibility of issuing debt with maturities beyond 30 years. We think there's some demand for it, said uh, Stephen Mnuchin, the uh, Treasury Secretary. So anyway, see what happens. Yeah. Stay with us. You're listening to Eddie Money here and the Tom Dupree Show with Mike Johnson, News Radio 630 WLAP. Howard 2019 iHeartRadio Music Festival. The artist you told us you love on the iHeartRadio app. Hosted by Ryan Seacrest from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Watch live on the CW app and CWTV.com. And listen on iHeartRadio next Friday and Saturday at 10 p.m. Capital One is a proud partner of the iHeartRadio Music Festival. Bringing great products and access to unique and unforgettable experiences to our customers. What's in your wallet? If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-219-4814. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-219-4814 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-219-4814 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-219-4814. The Abaco and Grand Bahama Islands still in crisis from the devastating blow from Hurricane Dorian now bracing for another round. Tropical storm Umberto gaining strength and is expected to bring heavy rains. 
ABC's Marcus Moore is in Nassau. This storm could impact the search and recovery effort on the islands where we know that the death toll at this point is at least 50 people expected to rise and the search is on for 1,300 people who are missing as this country braces for another storm. In Lynchburg, Virginia Friday, students at Liberty University protested on campus. Demonstrators at the Evangelical Christian School calling for an investigation into allegations University President Jerry Falwell Jr. made improper financial dealings and emailed disparaging comments about students. Saudi Arabia leaders say drones attacked two major oil facilities in the kingdom, sparking fires. Yemen's Houthi rebels reportedly claiming they're responsible. Michelle France and ABC News. We're talking about much drier and lower humidity levels for this Saturday. We couldn't ask for a much better forecast here. Our highs this afternoon getting back into the lower 80s. That's where we're supposed to be for this time of year. But then by later on into the evening, into the overnight hours, we drop down to the 70s and then eventually into the 60s overnight. And that's going to be meaning great weather for tonight's UK football game. I'm WKYT, we're all just out of Berniston for News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Have you wanted to speak a new language, but you thought it'd be too hard or take too much time? Then go to Babbel.com, download the app, and try it for free. In just 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. And right now, you can try Babbel for free. Babbel starts out teaching you words and phrases by matching them with pictures. You won't believe how easy the interactive program is. Soon the sentences get a little bigger, and before you know it, you're having simulated conversations voiced by native speakers. And because Babbel is crafted by language experts and uses the spaced repetition method, in just 10 to 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking the language of your choice with real confidence. With Babbel, you can speak a language. Just go to Babbel.com and start your first lesson in the language of your choice for free. Download the Babbel app or go to Babbel.com and try it for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. The Big Short's Michael Burry explains why index funds are like subprime CDOs. What's going on with that? So, Michael Burry, um, if you watch the movie The Big Short, uh, he's the one that's played by Christian Bale. He's kind of the, the star of it. You know, he's the one that, you know, identified the, the uh, bubble in mortgages and during the financial crisis. Um, and he went in and shorted it. Um, now, one thing on this, and I, I about guarantee that he would admit this, there's a difference between spotting a bubble and timing a bubble. Right. I mean, the financial crisis during that, it almost took him under because uh, he was shorting these things. You know, the, the market can be irrational a lot longer than you can stay right. solvent. That's uh, right. And it, it almost took his firm under. Um, because he was shorting these things on the wrong side of it. He's on the wrong side of it until it finally did pop. Um, now, so this is not something that we ever try to do is time the market, but we look at it. Um, and this is, you know, indexing something we've been on for the last several years we've been talking about. Um, and it's, it's interesting when other people start talking, you know, seeing the same things. Uh, but he thinks, uh, for a couple reasons, that uh, that indexing is creating a bubble in the market. Um, he talks uh, in the article. Uh, he actually sent out a letter, um, but he's, he talks about pricing mechanisms. Right. Uh, so the first he talks about is fixed income bonds. He says there's no accurate pricing mechanism in interest rates anymore. You know, see our last conversation we were just having. There's no price discovery. Um, but now, uh, he says, passive investing has removed price discovery from equity markets um, because when, when someone buys a, uh, an index, uh, an ETF that tracks an index, there is no price discovery. You're just putting your money in something that's supposed to go up, and you're not 
analyzing the company itself yep. and determining is this a fair price or not. Yeah. So anytime you have a uh, uh, something that moves away from price discovery, yeah, um, uh, you get you get uh, bubbles. Right, bubbles. <laughs> Did you see this article about Steve Schwartzman in the uh, Wall Street Journal? I saw the the the. I saw the the headline, but I didn't yeah. read it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Steve Schwartzman is the chief executive of Blackstone. He's never cried in public, but one time that he that Blackstone is a company we own a pretty good slug of, and it's done really well for us. But the one time he came is close, still seared in his mind. Um, he was a chief executive officer of an insurance company that had backed Mister Schwartzman's fledgling private equity firm asked the financier to come to the company's office in Nyack, New York. As Mr. Schwartzman, then a 42-year-old former banker with little direct investing experience, sat across from him, the CEO began springing, screaming about how stupid he was and how the insurance should have never given him uh, <clears throat> money. The verbal lashing was prompted by Blackstone's $330 million buyout of Edgecombe Corp, a Philadelphia manufacturer. Um, just months after the deal closed, steel prices plunged and Blackstone and his investors took a big loss. Today, Mr. Schwartzman says the failure let him develop a more rigorous process, having deals evaluated by a committee. The process has helped Blackstone to cut some of the industry's most successful deals and become the world's largest private equity firm. Mr. Schwartzman, now 72, has become one of the wealthiest and most influential figures in finance with a net worth above $18 billion. Major philanthropist, he serves on the numerous boards of numerous business, educational, and cultural organizations and has worked as an informal advisor to the U.S., among them former U.S. Secretary Henry Paulson, the finance manager ministers of Canada and Mexico and vice president, uh, vice premier Liu He, the top trade envoy for president China, Xi Jinping. He, um, he talks about many episodes in, in his new book, what it takes lessons in the pursuit of excellence. You know, it's interesting what, goes into making a, a really good company and it's a really good CEO and um, Schwartzman is friends with Trump. He's been um, kind of an advisor to him, but he's really matured into an incredible CEO and he's taken his company Blackstone places that you never would have thought it would have gone. Absolutely. Um, you know, just the company itself, what they do, and the talent that they're able to um, uh, assemble with the company, um, and uh, it's it's amazing what they do uh, at, at Blackstone. I mean, literally everything from real estate to you know, private public deals, hedge funds, private equity. They're just they're sprawling yeah uh, it's just it's an amazing company and like you said you know the the things that he has um overcome and what goes into creating if you ever watch a video of him or see him uh, in, on any interview i've ever seen him on on tv the guy is great i mean yeah. he's he's you can he knows his stuff first off i mean that's the foundation but then his passion for it yeah it's it's amazing, um, and so just w when we're looking at, I mean, what caught our eye with Blackstone was just the assets that they have, the way they operate. We went and met with them right uh, twice, once or twice, twice, uh, twice that we've met with them, and um, you know they they in the room, you know, we had probably uh, five uh, of their people meeting with us in the room, and I mean, you could just. You can sense it, and you can tell by what they were saying. You know their their knowledge of what's going on, yeah, and the 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 efficiencies of the company, right? Um, but it speaks to having a good team, yeah. Uh, and you know that's what 
you know, we have a team-based approach uh, as well, and, you know, we try to put a team together for our clients. That's right. That's what Blackstone's doing for their shareholders, for their company, Yeah, assembling a team. Yeah. Um, Makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And it, it, it is very helpful. What else you got for uh, me here? Well, I want to hit one other thing uh, that uh, Michael Burry uh, uh, talks about. Um, he uh, did some research, and uh, this is speaking of liquidity, because uh, that was a major issue uh, during the financial crisis. Uh, w- there was no liquidity for any of these things. Uh, right. So in the Russell 2000 index, um, he analyzed 1,049 stocks, and the volume of those 1,049 stocks was less than $5 million in, during the day. And half of that 1,049 traded less than a million dollars during the day. But if you look at the, the indexing that's linked to it, um, <clears throat> there's uh, hundreds of billions of dollars that are linked to these things. So you have something that has you know, $5 million, a right. million dollars, but you have billions of dollars. Of linked side to bets. Exactly. And the same thing with the S&P 500. You know, these are the world's largest stocks, but 266 of those stocks trade less than $150 million a day. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but to the S&P 500, there are literally trillions of dollars indexed to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, uh, he, he uses the analogy the movie theater keeps getting more crowded, but the exit door is still the same size. Right. And That's interesting. So when you have, you know, everybody run for the doors at one time, you know, you, you get this log jam. And in the case of stocks, when you have a log jam, you have this big discrepancy in the bid and the ask on the price. Yeah. And you have, it, it magnifies the downside. Right. Um, so that, that was just... Very interesting. And one other thing, looking at uh, value um, around the world, uh, we own uh, a number of European companies. Um, this is this is interesting. The U.S., so the 10-year government bond at, at the time this was written was 1.56%, uh, but the, the yield on the S&P 500 was 1.9%, so about 40 basis points. Right. Look at Germany. The yield on the 10-year government is negative 0.6%, and the yield on their market is 3.29. Really? The UK, you have a yield on the government of about 0.6. Stock market yields 5.13%. Unbelievable. So you're, again... It's a sign that stocks are really undervalued compared to... Treasury bonds in those countries. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, we've owned uh, these uh, companies there for for a few years now, um, and they pay good dividends. But, again, you know, price discovery. You know, what what is the company really worth? And, you know, the U.S. right now, it's, it's a hot market for stocks. And you have to look, you know, globally, you have to look everywhere for companies that, you know, are trading at uh, reasonable valuations. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's interesting. Um, this is uh, another one um, while we're talking about uh, funds, um, a diversified uh, ETF. Um, it, it might be anything but. You know, this, this cuts right to what uh, Michael Burry is talking about. Um, when you own a, an ETF that tracks an index, it's supposed to be diversified. But as we've said before, you get concentrated in the the momentum stocks. So you, if if you look at uh, probably seven or eight different mutual funds, the top five, six holdings are going to be the same. So there's a lot of overlap in the funds. Um, but a point this article makes um, – the SEC was actually, you know, they were lobbying, you know, when a fund, so when a, on a fund perspective, it says, prospectus, it says, you know, it's supposed to be diversified. Right. Well, when you get more concentration in some of these stocks, it's by definition not diversified. That's right. And so the funds were lobbying for an exception for the diversification rule uh, because it's saying the index itself isn't diversified. That's right. So, so the the 
the funds that are supposed to be diversified, you buy these things with the thought that you're getting instant diversification, but by its nature, the indexes aren't diversified. So not only are they getting bigger with the same small exit door, but they're getting less diversified. Right. Less diversified, which means when you put money in, you're buying something that's appreciated in value significantly. You know, you're buying these the, the, the individual companies that have appreciated in value. And so your upside potential is more limited and your downside and right. you're more concentrated. Right. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. The news you want. The big news today. The news you need. We're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. Confiscate guns. Make sure. Slippy Joe. You have the record player on at night. An impeachment investigation. Check in often. We will hold hearings. With News Radio 630 WLAP. I'm Tom Dupree, Jr. Your retirement investment portfolio is too important to be managed by a one-size-fits-all menu of mutual funds or annuities at the other end of an 800 number or a website. Dupree Financial Group is local, right here on Main Street in Lexington. We specialize in individually managed, not mass-produced investment accounts. If you have a 401k or IRA, we can handle the rollover for you and generally have your money ready to invest within 10 to 12 business days. We design an individual account just for you, our client. Once your plan is implemented, we try to meet with you twice a year to review your plan and make changes if needed. This ensures that any concerns or questions you may have about your money are answered in a timely fashion. Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a free review and be sure to listen to Tom Dupree on the weekends at News Radio 630 WLAP. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. A Roth IRA isn't as complicated as you might think. At any age, opening a Roth makes sense. Tell me about it. So a Roth IRA, um, the, the funds go in after tax. So you've already paid the tax on the contributions to the fund or to the account. But when you take it out, uh, it's tax-free. The uh, I'm, I'm talking to my millennial counterparts here, especially, you know, Roth IRAs. If, if you, if you're saving for retirement, um, it's, it's something you should definitely consider. Um, so let's say, uh, a 20 year old saves $5,000 a year in a Roth for 10 years and never makes another contribution. If they earn 8%, uh, you'd still have more than eight, uh, 180,000 at age 65. Now the key here, that 180,000, let's say that was a traditional IRA, the 180, when you start taking out, you're paying taxes on it. Right. So, you know, roughly, you know, 20, 25% will go to taxes. But with a Roth, that's one hundred eighty thousand. That's that is your money. I mean, nothing else is going to taxes there. Um, but the the younger you are, the longer that that money can grow um, tax free, and you can use it uh, for uh, benefits to beneficiaries. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> Kill me, Schmalls. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, uh, you can open a Roth uh, at any age as long as right. you have earned income. Um, yeah. And then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> see, this is what I, I like. I like how we keep it professional in yeah. here. This is this is too. good right here. <laughs> it's it's all professional. Um. Now, professional uh, idiocy. <laughs> um, but seriously, uh, 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 a traditional IRA, you have to start taking out at 70 and a half. <coughs> a Roth, right. if you're in a position where at 70 and a half and you're in retirement, but you don't have to take it out, you can leave it in there um, and just let it continue to grow and compound. Um, but here's just for for the listeners here's the amount that you can contribute or the kind of the 
qualifications. Uh, if you're married, filing jointly. Uh, 7,000, can't you? Uh, it's uh, 6,000 if you're uh, under 50. Uh, it's 7,000 if you're over, over 50, 50 this year. Um, but you, there are limits on what you can make. So if you earn less than 193,000, then you can make the contribution. Right. That's, that's as, a, as a household. Um, if you're a single head of household or married filing separately, um, if you earn less than 122,000. Um, so, and there are ways around this too. Let's say you have an income that's higher than that. You can actually, there's a workaround. You can actually do a contribution to an IRA um, and then convert that contribution to a Roth. Because uh, an IRA doesn't have the the, the talking about the talking about the doesn't have the income limitations. Yeah. Um, now uh, with a Roth IRA, you can contribute at any age. Um, whereas a traditional IRA, you have to stop contributing at seventy and a half. Right. Um, then uh, the required minimum distributions. There are no RMDs from a Roth. You can keep uh, them forever. Keep them forever. Now, <clears throat> on the conversion, um, it, it can make sense uh, to do a conversion. If Let's say you've had a 401K uh, through uh, your current right. employer or an old employer. Let's say you, you left an employer, you have a 401K, and you're in your 40s. Right. It might make sense, depending on your income, to convert that to a Roth mm -hmm. and let it grow um, tax-free long-term. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're having a tough time here. We're, we're making each other crack up. So converting a Roth can be a very good thing for people if they uh, want to, let's say they want to leave that part of their uh, IRA to their heirs tax-free where it's never taxed and they never take it out and use it. That's a great way to do it is converting it to a Roth. Right. And especially if you have a downturn in the market, that's even better time to do a conversion potentially. You know, if you have, so let's say you had a hundred thousand dollar yeah, IRA. Yeah. Downturn in the market where it's, the market's way down. You convert it. You can do the conversion when it's cheap. Yeah. Pay less taxes on it. Pay less taxes, and then all the growth that comes after that is all tax-free in right. the Roth. Right. So it makes great sense to, to consider that. Okay. We analyzed 14,000 Trump tweets to see how they affect the stock market. Yeah, right. <laughs> I bet we did. So uh, Barron's supposedly did this. Um uh, it's it's interesting uh it's been kind of a a joke you know a running joke you know with uh, meetings that we've been in you know we're talking about what? new, new <laughs> companies that we've bought yeah say, yeah we're buying on a tweet you know kind of thing it, because you can't argue that the the what trump tweets out affects the market in the short run yeah and basically through the 14,000 tweets which that's a lot of tweets that's a lot sometimes i'd like to chop the guy's fingers off yeah, just to he, keep him from tweeting you know what I mean? an idiot uh, i mean i don't know if he's an idiot but he's he, not a, yeah he's not an idiot he, he knows what he's doing for sure sometimes it appears he doesn't yeah but it, it it absolutely affects the market in the short run um but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that average is out to about t ten tweets a day. Gosh. Um, and uh, on May first, uh, he sent out eighty-four tweets from six to eleven that day. That's about one every twelve minutes. Um, but <clears throat> let's say he's, if he's tweeting about tariffs or trade, right, or something about the Fed, something like that, that can move the market in the short term. Um, all that does, I mean, this is this is noise. You know, you you have the talking heads on TV. You have all these pundits that are saying, you know, markets going higher, markets going lower. You have tweets. I would lump that in with the same thing. The market reacts to that. You have to have a long term investment plan and stick to that. Yeah. You can't let these short term noise issues derail that long term plan. Yep. Um, but it, in, in, in their study, <clears throat> they came to the conclusion that 
it does negatively affect the more that he tweets in the short run it has negatively impacted the market um but then if you stretch it out uh over two weeks um there's not an impact there's no impact no impact at all so it it is buying opportunities you know when we say that you know we bought on the tweet it's kind of tongue-in-cheek but there's some truth truth to to it. it you know there's a tweet that made the market go down right exactly um and so it, it anytime you have inefficient markets like we have, like we will always have, um, it'll react positively or negatively and sometimes in big swings to something that somebody says, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like AT&T, you know, with what came out on Monday, you know, that was a positive reaction. Now that wasn't noise. That was something fundamental. That was there was, reality. There was something tangible behind it. Um, but anytime you have a, a tweet, something like that, don't let it spook you. Right. Well, that's the thing we try to do with our clients at Dupree Financial Group is remain candid, diligent, staying on top of what's going on in the market. You can find out about us uh, more by looking at DupreeFinancial.com. You can give us a call at 859 233 to set up an appointment with us. You can look at us on Facebook um, and listen to this show to learn a little more about how we invest. And, you know, Mike, it you guys uh, are doing a fantastic job of researching companies and meeting with clients all the time. So, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a team effort. Everybody, right. everybody does it. So appreciate you listening. Go Cats. Have a great weekend. Everybody enjoy yourselves. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP.